Welcome to the Redeemed Vision Podcast, where we bring sight to the blind and freedom to those enslaved by our pornified culture. Here, we dive into hard but important topics such as pornography, sexual identity, true freedom, real love, and living marriage well. Go deep with us as we uncover what Redeemed Vision means for each of us living in the world today. Come to know yourself, the power of redemption through Jesus Christ, the joy of laughter, and how to live in gratitude and wonder. This is Redeemed Vision. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Redeem Vision podcast. I'm your host, Steve Picorni. I'm the founder of Freedom Coaching, where you can find out information about what we do at freedom-coaching.net. It is an honor to be with you. Uh, We are in for, uh, again, uh, a very, very exciting time here. Uh, I have a very special guest. And before we uh, get to that, um, just to share a little bit um, about the work that we're doing, we are working to um, set free men and women from an attachment to pornography. And uh, this is a big issue, as many of you are well aware of that. And we need your help. Um, if it's in your heart, obviously take this to prayer. Um, we are looking for those who would be willing to step up to support those who are who do want to be free, but they may not be financially able to do that. So we have uh, established um, a Freedom Coaching Foundation Incorporated. Um, all donations that come into to us are tax deductible, and we use them specifically uh, for two reasons. One, to be able to provide scholarships for those who may be in need of um, of of being able to be a, a part of this work here, and then also to have um, have the opportunity to share. Uh, share this message further in different places. So different different advertising elements that we are using on that. So any gift that is made, again, is tax deductible. And you can go and make the donation right through our website, freedom-coaching.net. And anything that you give, we are truly grateful. And we pray daily for all of our, um, all those who support this work through prayer and also financially. So again, it's a uh, it's an honor to be with you. And, and one other piece before we get going today um, is uh, one of our sponsors, and that is of Hallow. Uh, and Hallow is considered to be the number one app for Catholic meditation and for prayer. If you're looking for more peace in your life, if you're looking for better sleep, if you want to pray more, if you want to re- deepen your relationship with God, check, 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 check. I want all of those in my life, right? I encourage you to download Hallow to um, to make this a part of your life, download this app. Um, and the code that you can use is hallow.com forward slash freedom coaching. And um, on that app, by going through that code, it allows you to get three months free to just try out the app. And then it also allows us, it's a way to take care of some of our bills. So we're grateful for any of your signups for that. And uh, without further ado, um, what I want to share is a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to um, to head up to uh, Philadelphia. Uh, from Philadelphia, I traveled to New Jersey, and I went to a retreat. And on this retreat, um, I experienced a good deal of healing, uh, further further healing, further wounds that uh, I had been uncovered uncovered in my life, and uh, specifically the 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 wound of rejection and and various people in my life and and feeling those wounds, um, and and there was a definitive healing that happened there, and and. 
and if anyone is, knows of my my own story of obviously being being healed from about 12 years over 12 years of an attachment to pornography those wounds specifically were, were healed but then there's other things undergirding that that needed to be healed and so finding out that you know there's more that had be done i had to plunge into that um, and, and to get healing so uh, my message to all those uh, and if you want to know exactly what i did uh, just put a message underneath the the video here and i'll be happy to share that in a future podcast but i just as an encouragement right as as we are entering into this time we are in this time of advent in which um, we're, we believe God really is with us. And um, he is, he's coming to make his presence even more, even more known. And he did not come to condemn, but he came to save. He came to uh, help us to get real, to reveal our wounds. And so we can give those wounds to him and bring healing. So uh, I just the encouragement is that, that you can be honest with yourself in this time of preparation for Christmas, that yes, there's a lot of materialism, a lot of things that are you know trying to vie for our attention and parties and buying gifts and all those different things. But it's really getting to, as the old phrase goes, the reason for the season. And, and he has come to, to bind up these wounds. So what are those things that we need to offer to the newborn baby Christ that he, uh, he wants? Right. It's been said that St. Faustina was was approaching the tabernacle and um, Jesus appeared to her and she he said, why haven't you given me everything? And St. Faustina was a cloistered nun and he's, she's like, Lord, why did I give you everything? He says, why haven't you given me your hurts, your pains, your disappointments? Right. And I think some of us, we wear a lot of those masks and we don't want people to come close. So I encourage you during this time of preparation for Christmas to allow him to come close. Right. So that. When, if you can get real during this time here, then that time in Christmas, and by the way, Christmas is not one day, but the Christmas season is 50 days, right? What we celebrate. So you can make that season utterly joyful. And speaking of joy, I want to introduce to you a very joyful man, a gregarious man, uh, a man who has uh, quickly become a good friend of mine uh, in, in many ways. Um, his name is Roberto Martinez, and just to share before I bring him on, uh, bring a, a little bit about uh, Roberto. Uh, he was born and raised Catholic, uh, born, born in Mamamamay, Sonora, uh, Sonora, Mexico. Um, I don't know if they have earthquakes, but things are shaking here, uh, right? I'm, I'm being kind of lame, and we have uh, dad jokes here because both of us are, are dads. Um, he moved to Colorado in 2004, um, and um, he met his wife, and... Um, I, I, along the lines, I'll let him tell that story of where he met his wife. And they have three three beautiful, gregarious boys as well. Um, I'm blessed among women in my house. He's blessed among men and with his uh, and and his wife, uh, which is wonderful. Um, he is his primary day job is he works in the restaurant business, and in his evening time, he and his off hours, he spreads the love of Christ just by being who he is. And um, where Roberto and I uh, had come in contact is Roberto, his claim to fame is actually a former client of Freedom Coaching. And uh, the work that we have done with here, shall we say, the work that Grace has done in his life uh, was so powerful uh, that he can't help but but he can't shut up about this, right? So uh, with, that, with that said, uh, Roberto, I want to welcome you to the Redeemed Vision podcast. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, honored to be here. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know how am I going to compare to your other uh, guests, but I'll bring what God wants me to share with you. 
<laughs> amen, amen. And I, and I want to say to you, Roberto, first and foremost, uh, in getting to know you, and, and, and obviously on this, this is just a conversation, right? And, and there is literally no comparison. And, and this is the beauty of as we uh, begin to go deep into discovering ourselves, right? The masks we can take off and we can just be present and be real with one another, right? And and from I think the first day of even meeting you and just our work, um, you you were nothing, uh, you were nothing less but than real. But but seeing how some of the things that we that we think are real, sometimes we've got to remove those because to get to the, I'm not saying the squishy underbelly, but um, but uh, we're meant to be able to connect. And so today I'm, I'm honored to be able to connect with you. I'm honored to share, shall we say with the world and especially with our audience, um, a little bit of, of your life and who you are. So I wanna start out with, uh, we're gonna go way back, right? We're gonna go way, way back in this. And I want you to share, uh, just to start off here, uh, tell me, uh, tell us about your experience of, of growing up in your family, right? You grew up in Mexico. What was it like for, for you growing up in your family? So um, back in Mexico, it was really a family feeling. I had everybody there, obviously everybody, except for my dad's side of the family. Uh, all my mom's side was uh, there with us. Uh, great person in my life, uh, great influence in my life was my grandfather. Um, to I was attached most of the time, talking to him most of the time. He's the one that actually got me more into looking into uh, San Michael. Uh, he was really devoted to San Michael, had a painting of him. Like he was always talking about him and always with him, we'll say the prayer with him. Um, every Sunday we used to get together, like all the family, my cousins. Uh, it was it was a really nice feeling um, of brotherhood. Uh, all with my aunts um, talk, mostly eating. And then <laughs> some, some, some drinking for the adults, uh, but, that play a little card into my life later on when I, you know, did a little bit of drinking on myself a little early age as well. But no, uh, overall, a great family feeling uh, of sharing everything with everybody. And we had a great time all together. That's awesome. One. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And and, and I, I'm glad that St. Michael was there in the beginning. And I'm sure that along your life, uh, get, trying to help you to stay on that path or get you back on that path, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit here. So um, it's been said, Roberto, that um, that family is the foundation of civilization. You get marriage and family right, you get it all right. And the the paradox is nobody has a perfect family, right? The, the term dysfunctional family is a redundant statement, right? Um, none of us have it right. You look at the holy family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, right? Um, two thirds out of those from Catholic theology, we believe are perfect human beings. And uh, one of them happens to be God also. And then you have Joseph, right? And everything go, anything goes wrong, they're like, Joseph. And he's just like, eh, whatever. But he's, he's, he's so surrounded by love, right? That it is that love that helped him to be an even better man. And, and I'm sure that obviously heading into that marriage, into that family life, um, he was a man who had to pursue much virtue, right? And there's many, many virtues that we espouse there. So with all that being context, right? We have this tension we're dealing with. We know marriage and family is so important, especially in the Mexican culture. It's a really big deal. Um, and then we know that there is brokenness and things that's there. So how would you say, especially as this plays into your story, how would you say, a kind of two-part question here, A, what do you feel was lacking from your family when you were growing up? And, 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 and B, what would you say were the genuine needs that were not being met? 
Well, um, since since I was born, I mean, even before I was born, it, it was a challenge for my mom. Mm. Uh, she, first of all, had a miscarriage before me. Mm. Uh, and when she was uh, pregnant with me, uh, she was not supposed to get up. Um, at four months, I think, three, four months, mm. doctor told her that it was probably not going to be a, a viable uh, pregnancy because if she get up, she most likely was going to have miscarriage. So she asked, what, then what do I do then? Uh, so my, my doctor was like, well, you literally have to be in bed for the rest of the months until it's born. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can do that. And my mom was like, well, I'll try. And uh, obviously she tried and obviously it was a success. Uh, I'm here. Um, but um, right after I was uh, born, and this is something that you helped me that kind of remember and like with, with different therapies that I had, I noticed that I did feel a disconnect from my mother because mm-hmm. it wasn't because she wanted to. Uh, she had to learn how to walk again. She had muscle dystrophy. Like she had to go over, like try to get all this trauma. And one of my aunts was taking care of me most of the time. So at that time, I think was with the time I was supposed to be with my mother. There was a little detachment there. But my mom was, she still is a, a, a great mom. She's, you know, I couldn't ask for any other better than my parents. Uh, but obviously, we don't have a guy. Uh, we don't have a guy. I don't have a guy to be a parent. So I just take from what I learned from them. And most likely, they did the same thing. What, you know, my grandfathers taught them how to be a, a father and a mother. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so obviously, there's kind of a disconnect from mom that's coming in here. Right. And, and your parents, they're, they're married currently, or are they, they correct? Yeah. They, they still married. Wonderful. How many years? Oh man. Uh, so if I'm 40, almost 44, I'm going to say like 47. Wonderful. Somewhere Praise, the Lord. Praise the Lord. And how many siblings? So I have two brothers as well. Okay. And you're the, you're the eldest on this. Is that correct? Um, Okay. All right. Big, big, big dog here. So, so with this here, obviously that detachment from mom, not maybe feeling connected with mom, dad's there. So as you're growing up, right. Um, entering into this, right. And, and, and especially growing up. So maybe that young and and going forward, what were the message about the body, your body, the bodies of other and sexuality that you received from home or didn't receive And, and then follow up is, how did these messages impact you as you're on your on your way to becoming a man? Okay, so um, there, I think that's where um, the problem's starting to be, mm-hmm. um, most likely because I don't remember having a, a serious talk about sexuality, uh, talk about what pornography is, and you know the dangers of it. Um, uh, obviously, yes, the only suggestion was do not have sex before marriage. That's pretty much. And what I learned from from church and my mom was or still is to this day, uh, super Catholic presence at church. Uh, She uh, obviously I went to catechism. I had all my all my sacraments. Everything was in line. She did everything that she was supposed to do. Um, But I think my free soul was always wondering and trying to know more. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think by me not it was probably lack of communication for me trying to talk to my parents about things that I wanted to know. And since they never approached me and share anything with me, then obviously I went outside and looked for them. And this is where I kind of start noticing. And I'm trying to do this as a father now to my kids 
to have that open channel all the time, mm. uh, not be the super uh, punish, uh, to just to punish my kids and, and, and try always to seek the opportunity to talk to them about whatever. So if they ever had a concern, a question, come to me because what did I do? Obviously, um, they did the best they could to raise me and be on top of me. But I did have a lot of freedom. Uh, in Mexico, was really easy when I was younger to just go out, hang out with friends. They didn't ask you where you were going, mm -hmm. who are you going to be. It was like, I'll be back for supper. I'll be, you know. So therefore, that's when you go out and the street pretty much start teaching you everything mm -hmm. that your parents were trying to guard you from. So what was the message that like uh, a message of your of your what was the message of your parents? Just don't do it before. Don't don't have sex before marriage. I think that's what we got here. What were the messages that you got? We'll call it running the streets in Mexico. What, what was that like? Well, I mean, we were always going out just to play pretty much. Um, the problem here was that while I was at one of my one of my uncle's house, it was I, I don't remember exactly that part, uh, but I'm going to tell you what I remember from. Mm -hmm. It's it was a birthday party. We went there. My parents went there. I think I didn't know where they had to go. So they left me just with my aunt and uncle. Uh, and I have two of my cousins there at the party. Uh, they were uh, their sons. So I remember when the we start we stopped playing. I think we're playing ball or something. Uh, sundown and everything. One of the neighbors that he was an older guy. Um, came with us and was playing with us. And at that time was just him, another girl, one of my cousins and me. I only knew my cousin. Uh, and for some reason, we ended up going into the car. I think it was cold mm -hmm. or something. And we were just playing. And while we were there, um, he started asking or pretend us to play another game, try to play a game like if we're adults, uh, mm -hmm. to where I noticed that I guess the girl, I guess, and she was younger than me. Uh, I guess she already played this game where she was able to, we, we start sharing our, our, our parts. So everybody started getting their pants down and kind of knowing and touching. And then he was kind of pointing us in the position of if we were going to have intercourse. So obviously we couldn't, we're too little. I was probably mm -hmm. nine, nine, 10 at the age. Uh, obviously really young to understand what was going on. Um, the only thing I remember is was I was pretty much forced to touch and be mm -hmm. touched and looked and you know none of that stuff although it's blurred i mean the feeling of what i had there mm. still still with me obviously i already gave that and I, I i gave that to christ i put it on the cross and and for him to take care of it um obviously i can't forget about it but mm -hmm. i think it's already been forgiven roberto what so and obviously as we 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 want to make clear, right? We don't glorify the sin. We will glorify what, what what Christ does. What redemption happens here? When that, and, and you've experienced here a form of of child abuse. I mean, that, that let's name it for what it what it was, right? And, and somebody older, obviously, provoking this behavior here. What emotions should we say from that experience stuck with you, and 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 would affect going into teenage years? Shall we say? What emotions did that were there? Well, right at the beginning, and you helped me through this, that's the way I could understand it because I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, when I bring myself back there, obviously it's confusion. Obviously yeah. I'm trying to understand what happened, but after it happened, I can't forget it. So it's, it's in my mind 
and it's getting to me as a form of hate to myself and hate mm. to that person. And I'm trying to, in my mind, get rid of this. And I think from what further on started happening, I was, okay, I'm scarred with this. This is not fair. Mm. Everybody else needs to go through this or everybody needs to, mm. to be fair. Everybody needs to be on the same level with me. So what this ended up uh, happening is that I, I do remember about like a couple of, I don't know if it was a year or two years mm -hmm. after, I, I also uh, bring one of my cousins into a bathroom and I just show her my penis and I ask her to show me her, her vagina and she was not okay with it and she was like, I, I don't want this. And then somehow, thank God, my uncle start knocking on the door. I was like, why are you guys in there? Isn't that? And I was like, oh, no, no, we're just finishing. I pulled my pants up. She pulled her uh, dress up and we got out. But then that feeling that I have of hatred and trying to get mm -hmm. people to go through, it transformed into, it, it was more like a shameful for me. It was like, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe I got myself to do that. But the rage of that I had in me just wanted to get out. Thank God that didn't go through like, to anything worse than that it stayed that mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. i don't even know if my cousin still remembered this i hope not and if she does i mean i, I pray for it i i gave it back i i, I asked for the forgiveness of what i did and if i even scar her in some ways yeah yeah and then uh, so so what we're i mean for all those hearing this this is uh, we're speaking with roberto martinez yeah uh, he's a former client of freedom coaching um and and sharing a little bit of his experiences and these experiences especially of regarding um, our sexuality, um, especially when we experience a broken sexuality, they don't just go away, right? These are things that have to be worked through, right? And, and obviously for you, Roberto, right, starting very young at about age nine, experiencing this from, from someone else, and then uh, sadly wanting to take that same brokenness, that same hurt that was given, which turned into anger, and especially anger towards women in many cases. Um, and, and obviously, thank God for your uncle interrupting there. So there's a moment of grace there. Somewhere along the line, though, soon, if I remember the story correct, pornography comes on the scene. How old were you when pornography came on? Just probably just after with my cousin, probably some months, maybe soon, not even soon during that. Yeah, it was soon. Yeah. yeah. So, so which which fits in, in in a time period. It's typically now about eight to eight eight to eleven years of age. That's when the typical exposure comes in for a lot of people. You've got a, a background of abuse that's coming in here. That emotionally, the the uh, the, the wound here has been opened up here, right? What what need would you say, or um, is pornography trying to fill for you at at eleven or twelve years of age? So right after, I think right after 12 here, um, I'm starting to obviously still question what happened, what I try to do and understand, you know, what, what was it? Um, so I started researching as much as I could, obviously back in, you know, when I was, this is like <laughs> 30 years ago, um, there was no internet, there was none of that stuff. So if you needed, you needed like graphic stuff or uh, I start talking to my to my uh, neighbors and if they were if they had any access to it or or how to buy magazines and we got somebody older to uh, buy us magazines they were only sold outside of the theaters in uh, in my hometown with the one near our near our house 
So we have to pay somebody to get that. The first time that I did that transaction with somebody, uh, he got me a magazine. Uh, obviously, I first went and there was an abandoned house near my house in construction. So I went there and started revising it. And yet again, this is where I noticed that I just told my mom, I'm just going to go out play. And I went, went with my stuff, no supervision. And not because she wasn't not supervising me. It, it, it only takes, you know, a couple minutes, just an instance for yourself or, you know, now my son, I can say, for to have access to this. So when I went and started looking at this, I start looking at the female body um, in, in a way that I was like, okay, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know what to mm -hmm. do with this. And I wanted to take this that I was supposed to do with this girl back in the day with someone else, right? And um, I called my neighbors and uh, I was like, do you guys want to come? I have something to show you. So now I'm becoming that older guy for me because I didn't have anybody to share this with. I didn't have anybody to guide me at this point or somebody to tell me, hey, you know, this is this is wrong. Like you, you can be doing this and take it away from me. And that's it. That would have ended there. But worse than that, I am starting to get some more people involved. And then we start buying more magazines and having a collection of magazines in this house where we used to hang out most of the time now. So now hide and seek and playing ball and, you know, doing other stuff uh, with the neighbors was completely changed to let's go to the abandoned house because everybody knew that we, they were there and we can access them. Sure. So, um, and thank you for sharing this, right? So obviously I would say some of the, the issue of where this, this came out and I assume Roberto for outside of your little circle here of friends, this was not shared. You didn't discuss any of the issues of, especially the interior world that's going on inside of you with anyone else, including your parents, I assume, correct? Correct. Yeah, so so what we wanna say here is this is a form of sexual silence, right? It's uh, I've heard this phrase used, coined um, before, and, and it's this notion that we don't really, in our house, we don't talk about these things, but this is the issue that we wanna say, especially speak to parents, right? And, and Roberta's an example, I'm an example, that the things that we don't talk about will be caught. And if the healthy ways are not reinforced, then we're gonna catch what nature pours a vacuum. The world is gonna get us other, other ways, right? And the world is constant, even if we're the best of parents, um, we're gonna still struggle with this. Right, because the world screams louder in so much different, so many different avenues from internet to you know, movies to television programs, music, all these things. Right, so as parents, being on top of this can be a great challenge. And for for you, obviously, this wasn't wasn't even present pre-internet days. In fact, so this is going on here. It's forming your masculinity. What were the messages? Let's hit on that point. What were the messages about masculinity that you were receiving from pornography use that was that, that then went and impacted your behavior, especially towards the opposite sex? Well, right after um, we started sharing this, obviously one of my other neighbors was like, hey, you know, I have, it wasn't cable. I was, I think it was like antenna satellite, I think at that time. That was one of the first things I had. And obviously the porn channels were blocked because you had to, you know, get a code or whatever. I don't remember. But we, you, you can still see it and it was blurred out. So that's what he's like, hey, why don't we, you guys come to my house? I have something to show you better than the magazines. Let's watch this. So obviously I was kind of uh, 
introduced to video porn in a pixelated way, but obviously you can make up what was going on in just the language and just the way that you see how uh, porn movies are developed starting. That was my school. That's that's how I started learning about how to have sex to to my to, you know, to what I was looking at. And that was pretty much using a woman or woman to your advantage and just to satisfy yourself, just be done with it and leave her just there in the bed. Uh, and everybody knows how those movies are and they're so degradable, but that is my school. That is teaching me, okay, a woman's gonna be happy if you treat her that way. That was what I saw. Well, well put, right? This is the message, especially any, any pornography gives that this is, a, and this is also sends the message that this is what women want. Right, because because they they obviously are there at our beck and call, a man's beck and call, and after a man's done with her, then then everybody's everybody's happy because that's what she wanted, that's what we wanted, but real life's not like that, right? So with your relationships moving in, right, m moving on with relationships in, in there, how was what you were being programmed with, what you were being educated in those images, how was that played out? Um, obviously we're not going to get into, into the details and the weeds necessarily, but how is this played out in your romantic relationships moving forward? Yeah, well, this was obviously a huge part because, um, I remember one of my first relationships, like as a girlfriend uh, that I had, um, in my mind, I was, okay, I know how to make her happy. So I'm going to try my best to have sex with her. And that was my, you know, this to me was the normal correct thing to do uh unfortunately the first the first girlfriend that i had obviously she was not wired that way thank god uh long came second and, and i broke up with her because i was like well i'm not getting what you know i'm supposed to get so she's probably doesn't want this uh but instead of me snapping out of it okay this is probably not what women want okay let's just look for another woman so got another one in uh, she was probably as damaged as I was because I think she was a year younger than me and she was uh she was the first time I have sex with um and this started uh I started to obviously practice in everything I saw on the tv I need to do to uh, my girlfriend but and I guess both in our crossed out ways of thinking what happiness or what sexuality was. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know because you shouldn't even be having sex at 13, 14 years old. Uh, mm -hmm. But our, our school was that, and that was her school as well. And we just try to perform everything that we saw on, uh, on, on a movie. And I think that I, obviously she was uh, damaged by our relationship most likely, but she was doing the same thing with me. So we were both using ourselves for just our own self-pleasure and just to get our sexual arousal just out of the way. But there was, obviously there was love there, um, but things got, you know, more serious and more serious and then it wasn't enough. Then I, I that's the first time I felt that somebody betrayed me. So she cheated on me uh, mm -hmm. with somebody else. Um, and at this point I was about to be in the hospital for uh, surgery, a hernia surgery. Mm -hmm. And at that time, that's when she like cheated on me. And that created, that brought that hate back towards women that I'm like, okay, like uh, what I need to do is just try to do this same thing that they did to me. Now I'm going to do it to women. So now 
I think that's where like, okay, I need to use them, take advantage of them, get rid of them. That's what they did to me. That's what I'm going to do now. So obviously this is in conscience, but this is my education to this point now. Yeah. And this is, a, so it becomes, and, and correct me if I'm wrong from what I heard, she also had been exposed to pornography. You guys were seeing this, watching this at some, some point together. Okay. So, so obviously this is very important to understand. This is not just a male issue. This is a male, female issue. And this is years ago, years ago before even the internet hit. And we know the exposure to this is very, very big. So this is important for all of us to be aware of. This is both a male and female issue. And, and even if it were just men, that directly impacts women, because as we're seeing here, Roberto, um, these images, attitudes towards women, towards of men also, radically impacted these relationships. And so it became a series of serial um, cheating on, shall we say, because we're, we're I'm, I'm entering these relationships, but I'm still cheating in my mind. And then um, if that, that action is not enough with this, I've got to find somebody else. So I'm going to dump them and lose them. All right. So a lot of history with that. So we're obviously fast forwarding here, lots of other history here, but um, along comes your wife, right? At some point, right? Where was your wife, and if this is a fair question, where was your wife different from the other experiences of, of relationships with women in your past? Um, well, when I met my wife, uh, obviously she wasn't or I wasn't a fan of her. <laughs> we, 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 wait, we, she wasn't a fan of you or what? Wait, wait, tell us more about that. Well, it was, it was neither. Um, we met at... <laughs> She was the manager of the first restaurant I applied here uh, in Colorado. Uh, she was, she, I asked for an application. She was like, we're not hiring. And I was like, well, well what is she? I was like, can I talk to the manager? You're not the manager, obviously. And uh, <laughs> we, st we started wrong because I was like, you're not even supposed to tell me that you, you know, you're not even giving me an application. So that was like the first conversation. <laughs> obviously there is a grudge between us right there. And I ended up, getting hired at that restaurant and eventually i became also uh one of the shift leaders uh, one of the managers but i was the night shift she was the the day shift so obviously another confrontation with there because it's always you you guys didn't do this you know you guys didn't stop this and it was always a constant uh fight but um there was a moment where um she she is in, she is in a relationship in, in an abusive relationship and from what she told me later on he was really into porn but this was like porn more great stuff like i super violent I, yeah this is like animals this is like mm -hmm. really violent so obviously she she wasn't exposed to pornography back in the days like i did but i think this was her moment um but she loved this guy she was this this what this guy was the love of her life this is the guy that followed her from mexico to here and they were together uh and she's watching this and she told me like well they were having sex uh, he will be putting up pornography or, or or she will catch him watch a pornography before or after or like she he had a really uh dependency on it and but to her it was like well i mean he he loves me so this is okay um so i think when we move forward to where we're together um and we're sharing this stuff she's noticing that well, obviously, I hide my pronoun. I, I, when she told me, like, this is one of the reasons also that she didn't like. Uh, uh, and I was like, oh, no, no, I, I don't watch that. I mean, I'm just, you know, 
we can have sex and I don't have an attachment with other women or this and that. So obviously we begin a relationship with, with lies. I mean, I, not lies. I'm not being, what is lies? I, I'm not openly about, you know, who I really am. And I'm deceiving her for falling in love with me because I'm uh, this other person trying to perform in front of her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and let's, this is, you're raising a really important point here, Roberto, is the, the language of love that we want to give, this definition of love we want to give is that of, of making a sincere gift of self. And the opposite of that is to use another person, right? And, and you had been programmed, Roberto, in the school of use, right? Unbeknownst to yourself uh, from, from these experiences here, and then taking this on yourself um, from, from a place of deep, deep darkness and, and hurt and pain, right? So, and, and eventually, right, the two of you would get married, bringing this into, into marriage in a, in a very real sense. Children would come along, and I'm just obviously fast-forwarding our conversation along. Where was it for you that things bottomed out? That like, okay, the, the, the roller coaster or the merry-go-round has to stop. Things need to change. Or what was that pivotal, pivotal moment for you? Well, I got several. Um, thank God, like you said, San Michael and and mm -hmm. Jesus have never left my side. Uh, they probably used everything they could in their power to snap me back to you know be a, a real man and, and and a father, and I didn't. But because of my constant knowing of using women uh, and women cheating on me, and I'm like, well, you know what? Unconsciously, I probably I, I wasn't trying to her because she did ask me. She's like. So why did you cheat on me if you love me? And I was like, and that doesn't mean I don't love you because I, I know I love you. You, you like, you're the soulmate that God put like next to me for a reason. At that point, I didn't know, uh, like with certainty. But um, what happened here is I'm, I'm, I'm cheating constantly to my wife. Um, my kids are growing up. Um, we break up a couple of times here and there through our years. But one of the, one of the first times that I realized first of all that i was like what why what am i doing is i was trying to leave my wife for another girl while i had two boys right and i was feeling um bad for the girl i was about to start going out with because she had two boys and they were taken from her because she had a, a drug uh, addiction and she was in jail and all this so i was like oh who's gonna help her with these kids let me step in and help her and when I left the house, I left my own house by breaking doors, breaking their hearts, my kids crying, one of my oldest one crying for not, not to leave and why am I doing this? And I got a, I got a glimpse there. Uh, I was like re, re channeled back to, you know, what am I doing? Like this, this is my family. What am I trying to help another family? Well, I have my own. I'm destroying another family in the same time that I'm trying to help or do this. That doesn't make any sense, I know. But at that time, I was, okay, I need to, I need help. I need to get here. And I started getting back, back in church. I've always been in and out from church. Um, but this time I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get my, my stuff in, in line. And uh, I tried. Obviously, with other addictions that I had, I had a lot of drug addictions and alcohol. Like that, and I used to do pretty much everything. And this kind of detached me from my feelings towards my wife because I will see her cry and there was no, like, nothing. Like, I see her and I'm like, here we go again. Why are you crying? But it took 
one time also in in my room, I don't know, in one of the rooms, uh, my oldest son came to me and he was like, because my wife brought it, brought him up. I was like, is that you cheated on me again? You're going to tell your, your son why you're leaving. And I was like, no, no, no. Why am I going to tell him? I was like, because he's going to ask me and this is not my responsibility. You talk to him and tell him what's happening. Tell him what, why you can, why you can't have an addiction towards women. So I sat down with him and I was like, oh my God, like, how am I going to tell this to my son? I, 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 I can't, this is not my my job as a parent, I'm supposed to parent this kid, not tell him that I'm about to leave him for other women. Like, what am I doing? So while talking to him, uh, and I was trying to explain as much as I could, and he was, he just asked me, I was like, what? Dad, how, 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 how hard is it? Why, why can't you just love my mom and me with my mom? And that's it. And it sounded so, it is so simple. <laughs> but then that was, one of the times that I got back uh, to to my track, but not that was not my definitive. Sure. So thank you, thank you for bringing that up. And I want to I want to comment here because a couple of things for those who are hearing this, if if you're if you're listening carefully to what Roberto is saying, number one is pornography deadens the heart. Okay, it, 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 why it is especially de uh, devastating is it kills off our ability to connect with others. Right. There's the the wall, I like to say, of the guilt, the shame, the self-hatred that comes in there that becomes so brutally um, empty in our life. And in fact, and for my life, it was I felt nothing. There was numb. So especially you're about to walk out in your family. Right. And, and thinking mistaken thinking, I have to help this other family instead of my family is literally on fire right now. And I got to find a fire instead of instead of letting it burn down to the ground. I got to find a fire extinguisher or go call for help and get a fire department in here, right? So, so here, obviously, when my wife is crying out for help here, I don't really care. That's the message here, right? That the empathy is there, and that's the uh, and so that's the first thing here is you hear if for any of those who are struggling with this or why why should I really care about this if I know that my husband's involved in pornography? It's because his heart is not there. Second is this little piece of metal here, right? It's not, there you go. He's got the big, big old one. Awesome. Beautiful. This is not a, this is not a magic ring that solves all our problems, right? And it magnifies it, right? You, 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 you and I, and anybody involved in pornography have been programmed in the school of utter, utter fantasy, but you get into a real relationship with this woman has real feelings, real thoughts. Um, she has opinions, if you didn't know this, and she also has a libido. It's probably different than yours, right? All these things merging in here and changing constantly because of hormones, right? It's our job to learn how to love that. If we're not in possession of our heart, then how are we supposed to connect with that? How are we supposed to know this, right? And then you put boil in just this, even if it's a sacramental marriage, marriage is hard. It is hard work. It's supposed to kill us in a certain sense so that not that's not just the death of us, but that we can be reborn to something even greater here, right? So you're coming uh, full throttle with this. Oh my gosh, my action, maybe for the first time in your, in your life being confronted with my actions have real, real uh, consequences, especially for the younger generation, right? So enter freedom coaching. Freedom coaching comes on the scene and it was actually through a mutual friend that recommended freedom coaching here. and. Um, what was your experience of, of beginning freedom coaching and then going through this process? What was that like for you? Let me backtrack there a little bit, but yes, I'll go. I'll try to be short. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, 
when, when that happens, I'm I'm getting back on track. Uh, mm-hmm. One, I I actually start falling off the of the boat again right there, and I start the only way for me to be able to get to pornography or get to talk mm-hmm. to the girls or to the cheating part of it, it's I created myself a second life. Uh, mm-hmm. I am downloading apps with different emails and you know trying all this. Uh, thank God. Um, I, I, I was like buried in my life. And one of my friends uh, from work uh, got confronted with my wife. And thank God she was the one that couldn't hold it. Everybody else just like lied with me and didn't want to tell my wife. Um, and she was the one, you know what? This is what really happened. This, this, this and that. When I got confronted with my wife, this was right before I call you. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife was like, I, I, I've seen her break down. But I've never seen her break down like to this point. Before it was like, let's not talk about this in front of the kids. We were in this living room, empty, about to leave to our new house mm-hmm. to start a new life. And and she finds out this. So we are fighting. We don't care who's there. Um, I'm trying to hold her. She, she doesn't know what else to do. Uh, she's trying to hit me, and I'm trying to control her. And it, she was, she just, I saw her. She just broke. She's like, I got mm-hmm. nothing nothing else for you and i always said i'm gonna get help i'm gonna like probably we all say and we are okay for a little bit and then you know we go back to our things and i used to make fun of my friend that uh went to freedom coaching and and he was like i have a coach and i'm like what do you need a coach for your life you know how to live or what like i know how to live like what's wrong with you so at that moment that's the first thing i thought i was like okay i need a solution quick that my wife can see that but i'm now for real is going to do something so I call him and thank God he answered, hey, uh, Cesar, can you give me your, who was it, your life coach or whatever? Just give me his number. <laughs> Do something for me. And he's like, yeah, here it is. So I called you. Thank God you answered me right away. And mm-hmm. we start talking. And while I was talking with you, we're all sitting at the stairs of our old house. And I am, my kids are looking at me, my wife. Obviously, I can't expect anything from here. But I can see a, like a shine in my kid's eyes, like, Okay, mm-hmm. he's gonna get his stuff together. Like finally, he's getting help because they saw it now. I always told them I was gonna do it. They saw it. They're like, okay, he's gonna do something, and like we're gonna move to a new house and we're gonna be a happy family. And please, God, pretty much like let's let's work this out. And they were the ones again pushing, pushing this family mm-hmm. because I'm broken. My wife, I broke my wife at this point. Now she can't push anymore. So there's the three little guys trying to save his marriage amen amen and um obviously very painful painful and i I do i do recollect the the pain in the beginning part of that journey and and trying to to manage this and and um your wife is on the verge this is done like this this close right so um and obviously the kids are holding on to a thread of of hope here that daddy's going to stay home, right? And, and so, and, and this is a message to all of us. Our actions do not, uh, they don't stay in a bubble. The, the biggest, one of the biggest lies we've been told is what I do in the privacy of my own bedroom doesn't affect anyone. It's a lie, right? So what we do really does matter. And, and you, to, to any man out there who's hearing this or a woman like thinking, it doesn't matter what I do. It all matters, right? And that there's, there is um, the ability to always get this thing turned around because of grace, right? And and, and you you picking up that phone to to call Freedom Coaching, the two of us connecting, 
was an act of grace and praise God for that. So, and then one of the, one of the other things that we talk about in freedom coaching is it's not simply about finding things to do that it's, it's not, I have to find this, this one, this one technique that's going to solve all my problems. No, it's, this is immersive, right. And, and, and really getting deep into this stuff and we got to work through this stuff and it's painful stuff. Um, but, but there's healing that happens. And, and, and one of the things that the goal that we're shooting for that happens to a, a lot of clients who will say, yes, fully go all in. And you did, you've gone full on is finding genuine internal freedom that I'm not simply, I don't have to show off. It's I'm, I'm not, I'm not pretend I'm not living those two lives as, as you be, being two men. I'm authentically being integrated here. I'm uncomfortable in my own skin. So for you, how would you, if you can pinpoint when did things start to click for you in the work that we were doing? What, when, how did you know that this whole thing of this, this quote unquote promise of internal freedom, this wasn't just theory. This is like, this is really happening. What was that like for you? Well, the first thing, and, and you, you proved me wrong right away. When I called, like the, I think the second call, uh, I told you, wait, 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 like, yes, I have a problem with girls, but and you, you keep talking about pornography. And I was like, why does this guy keep talking about pornography? <laughs> like, I don't have a problem with pornography. I have a problem, problem with how I treat women, how I treat my wife, and how, how I just see women just for a sexual object, right? But then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna give it a chance, but but he sounds a little crazy. But you know, this is my shot. Let's let's take it. So obviously, while going, when you made me realize that, yes, years ago, at that point, I think it was seven years, I've been sober from every other drug that I had. But I never thought, or at that moment, I never knew that pornography was was an addiction. Obviously, therefore, I'm not trying to get rid of it because I don't think it's a problem. But when you show me that and you show me way back how it, everything started and how is that like that start ruling my new life right after that moment. Mm -hmm. And that it was just like, you know, time and effect to all the way through like 30 years of this. And but I'm so used to it that 30 years is like, well, that's, that's normal. And you told me like, yeah, seriously, you do have a problem with pornography. And I was like, OK, I was <laughs> like, that was the first click. That was the first mm -hmm. click when I was like, OK. He might be into something. He might know. He might not know what he's doing. <laughs> and then, obviously, with everything with the program, it was to me. It was you were my gas station, and and I was I was the car. And every time <laughs> I was feeling empty, or my wife started noticing, eh, watch out with your behavior. And I was like, okay, I need to put another session now. And it was like, again, I switched my addiction with a better addiction. I was like. Mm. And you know, I don't know how, how many sessions does everybody take, but I knew I took more because, and still I'm talking to you because I was like, I, I need to keep talking to this guy. I was like, I, I'm loving this. And I created an addiction of healing. Like I, I, I was trying to heal myself and it was feeling good for me, but this was the first time it was something that I was actually feeling myself with. It, it was, it was nothing that it was living empty. I was filling my tank every single time mm. and every single time you show me what to do and how to tackle those problems and, and, and everything that it's in life every single day, you, that's when I was like, okay, this, this is it. Like he's got it. Like uh, now I can just use what he's shown me and keep pushing through and never stop. Amen. 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 And, and, and you're, you're hitting on a, a very important theme here for all those who are wondering, you know, gosh, I got this attachment, right. And um, to, to pornography that's influencing the way in which I, I fail to live out my body and sexuality as gift. And, how to and root one of the major things is if you want to break a habit 
change, change, transform a compulsion, you got to put something better in its place. Really important. And, and that's, and you started developing, obviously there's skills involved here. There's a working through brokenness of trauma that, that comes through, obviously. But once we break through that, then I, I continue to fill this space with the good things, right? And I think this is where a lot of men and women today, why we spend so much time just scrolling mindlessly through social media, or we're into unhealthy relationships, or we're just doing behavior that, that if we're honest, is, is harmful to us. It's because we've got this emptiness on us, and we haven't found where and how to fill that space with the good stuff. And maybe we're just not even aware of that, right? And thanks be to God, Roberto, you responded to that, right? In, in a huge, huge way. And, and here's our conversation. So two more kind of big questions with uh, before we, we, we change over to something different. Um, in Breaking Free, right? Um, and your, 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 your wife's seeing this, your kids are seeing it. What, how did that impact your, your marriage and family? I mean, what, what did your wife see was the transformation that was happening in you? What, how did, how did that impact your, your, your relationships there? Well, I mean, I think it started with my, my own behavior daily started changing. Um, obviously I, they were skeptical as I was at the beginning, uh, I was really at the beginning, but then I was like full on, but there was still kind of mostly my wife was like, okay, what if, because this is what I created. It was just like, mm -hmm. I did good. And then it did bad, did good. And then bad. She was pretty much waiting for like, okay, until when he's going to do it, <laughs> when he's going to fall off the rails again. Right. Yeah. But me finally getting rid of my old life uh, mm -hmm. and having a genuine life with, and just for my family. Uh, I mean, I think, I started to change as a parent. I try to spend more time with my kids or talk to my kids. Although, yes, I mean, there's, you try, but you're never going to be that <laughs> the great dad that like you envision. But just me talking to them, just my behaviors with, you even change my music. Like, like my, my kids were like, oh, because every time you get in my car now, there's nothing else but, but Jesus music. That's it. You, you don't get to hear anything else. And my kids are growing with this. And obviously, I don't know if they realize that my life, my, my youngest one, no, my oldest one noticed a change and, and, he's, and he saw it. And he actually, I think that that recreated the bond that we were supposed to have because he's the first one I left like I for other women. Uh, I was out of the house working all the time, not having the relationship. Right now, when he started to see that, uh, mama hates it because like, well, he used to be a mama's boy. Now he's a, he's a daddy's boy because he's always with me. He's talking to me. We share stuff. We watch things together and all this stuff. So he, he probably realized in our relationship together mm -hmm. with my wife, I'm being more transparent. Uh, I'm a compulsive liar to like a thousand times degrees. Um, but that started to, I didn't need that. I didn't need to lie. I didn't need to backdrop my lies and my wife can see through me. So obviously mm. when she's seen a more genuine me, she's like, hmm, okay, maybe this is working. Yeah, therapy didn't work. Church alone didn't work. But this thing, freedom coaching, yeah, you know what? That might have been for him. And I was just desperate to be done with the program so I can talk to my friend about it because he's like, I can't talk to you because like I'm gonna ruin it. So but <laughs> I am I am dying and he's like, You can tell me your stuff, but I can't tell you anything else. So I'm telling him, hey man, we do you remember this part, and I was just at least I had somebody to talk to, and um, mm -hmm. that was that was I mean to me it was life changing in, in different the relationship with God that well he's always been there with me like 
pretty much dragging me all along. Uh, but I finally got up and started walking with him. And just that relationship, that praying time, like all my, all my days completely different. Like from just getting up and yelling at the kids and this and that comes to prayer morning, reading something, getting with the kids, keep praying, hearing Jesus music, podcast, nothing like <laughs> I used to be for. So yeah. I think they noticed it was, it was like they can feel it and they can see it. A testament to grace. Praise the Lord on that. And um and this and this is a message of of hope that that nobody's too far gone. As the old phrase goes, every every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Really, really important here. And um and a beautiful journey. And again, I, I was privileged to have to take part in a, a small, small but important part of that. And it's, and it's a privilege. And and you mentioned uh, you mentioned music. Uh, very. Uh, this has been a significant part of it. And, uh, uh, Roberto, do you know who Johnny Diaz is? Oh yes. Yeah. So um, I so I, I, I that's a softball. I'm throwing this out to you. I have to, We have to share this story. <laughs> I I want to go public with this because it's really really important. So this is literally to set the scene for you all of you who are listening to this. We're we're this is the middle of our meetings. I don't know. This is meeting at maybe stage two. There's four stages of freedom coaching. I think it's stage two. If I have maybe yeah. stage three. And um, you've got this experience of the singer Johnny Diaz, if I, if I, or Johnny Diaz, what, however it's pronounced. It, I, uh, think I think it's Diaz, but you say Diaz, uh, potato, potato. So can you please just share this, share this story, please? I, I'm honored to hear it again. Yes. So I guess like um, we, we'll get to a point where like we want an answer in, from, from God. And, and we're talking to him all the time. And I think since we're not getting an answer, we probably get into thinking that he's not listening to us, mm-hmm. but that's, that's, that's the thing. Uh, he, just because he'd answer all the questions that we have, uh, that doesn't mean that he's, he's not listening. He will, he will give us, or he will answer to us when we need it. And this is what happened. I'm in the point where like, yes, I'm going with, with all my sessions and everything, but, and I'm feeling like, all 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 pumped up and with everything I'm listening to, to music in my car all the time. But unfortunately, you get to, at some points, be ashamed of it. I, I, well, that's in my case. I was like, oh, what if like people are listening to what I'm listening? And, and like, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, hey, like, God, like, just give me, give, I, I, need, I need more fuel. Steve is not giving me enough fuel. I need some more diesel or something so you can like get my fire going again. And, and I'm praying for this. I'm, I'm not like asking him like to do so, but I was like, please, you know, if you could help me with this, like that would be amazing. And I was driving in, uh, as I was getting to a light, there was another car. This guy looked like a punk rocker, stickers everywhere, you know, even like 666 and everything on his car. And I'm like, oh, this guy is just going to like probably shoot me if I partner <laughs> to him with this music. So actually like, I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm just gonna lower it down. So I lower it down. And um, as we go on, the next light, he's starting to wave at me. And I'm like, what is it? Oh, here we go. He's going to start telling me something about this. And I don't want to do this right now. I'm going to work. And I actually put my window up. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not talking to (laughs) you. So then I get to the next light and and he's like, please. And I can see his face. It's it's a little different. And I was like, can you please put your window down? I put my window down. I was like, hey, what's up? I was like, Hey, what are you listening to? And I, 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 I was like, well, let me see. Oh, John, Johnny Diaz. I was like, why? He's like, 
Johnny Diaz, but what is it? Oh, just Christian, Christian guy, you know, sings, da da da. There's the green, and we go. And believe me, this street, I've never hit so many reds in my life, I swear. <laughs> and every single light was a red. The next red light, it stopped, and he's there, and he's blasting now this music. He's blasting this song, and he looks at me, and he's like, dude, you have no idea how much I needed this. Mm. When he said that to me, I was like, there's God. There's God talking to me. I need an answer. Here, here he is. And I was like, thank you for using me, for, for, for letting me be witness and be a miracle for him or, or whatever you need me to do with, with him. And thanks for letting me be participate in, in a witness of this. And, oh, my God, that was one of the best days in my life. Uh, I, I, I pray for that guy, you know, as every time I remember. I hope that was something that he really needed and he, you know, mm -hmm. and God helped me and through me and, and, and he showed me again. I'm like, I'm there. Just don't, don't, don't be, don't be questioning me if I'm not doing anything for you. Uh, and and that's, that's the last time I probably questioned God on something like that. It, it was, it was such a great experience. And you always love this story. <laughs> I, oh, I love it. I love it. And even like, look, I, no, no offense to you. The, the one piece that, that always strikes, well, lots of pieces on this, right, is the amount of lights, I think it was six or seven lights, never yeah. on this road, hitting this. And, and I mean, one of those stoplights, I think you just left out of the story for, for brevity's sake was, wait, oh, this guy, Johnny Diaz? Is this, yeah. is this where I, like, what, that was one, yeah, yes, yeah, that's in your back of mind, like, what is going on here? I, I imagine that, right? So, and, and as, as you're talking, a couple thoughts. One, we have the idea of red light district. Well, you redeemed the red light district to show that everything's redeemable here. This is a very different red light district to bring hope here. And I think this is what people need need most. And this is another reason why we do this work in, in, in Freedom Coaching and why we do, do the Redeemed Vision podcast is that there really is hope here that's present there, that nothing is wasted. Everything is redeemable here. And, and Roberto, you're a testament to it, right? And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And, and so much so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm privileged to say I'm one of the early adopters to the Roberto Martinez fan club because I think um, we're going to see more of you. And one of the things that uh, we'll probably talk about maybe on a future podcast at, at, uh, episode is uh you were privileged to uh be contacted you know, through freedom coaching but an organization uh that is putting together your story your testimony right and um uh, i i think we will save that for another podcast because we are getting a little long in the tooth here but um just keep your eyes peeled all of you out there we will be posting this on our social media when it comes out it should be out in the next four weeks four or five weeks uh from the time of the publication of this podcast and um to tell a little bit of your story but in a very beautiful way so um roberto an honor to have you here and uh before we before we go um, I want to introduce you to, uh, to you, it's called the 12, okay? And so these are questions that we share with all of our guests. Um, these are uh, pretty much have nothing to do with what we're talking about, but everything to do with it because it has everything to do with you. So it's helping people to get to know you a little more. Um, so I don't want you to think about it, just all kind of off the top of your head, what comes, comes in first. And then um, and it just kind of gives us a more of a flavor of you, okay? So this is the 12. Are you ready? Oh, coming from you, I guess. <laughs> Bring it on. Here we go. Okay. Number one, peanut butter, crunchy or creamy? Uh, crunchy. Two, if you could be any Star Wars character, who would you be? No, Yoda. 
Yo, <laughs> very. I can see you with the giant ears. That's good. Um, or maybe Grogu. Um, three. What's your What is your desert island food? Desert island food. Uh, Trapped on a desert island, what, what's the only thing you can eat? What would it be? My wife's fried rice. Oh, that's pretty good. That's awesome. Good. Uh, four. Beer or wine? Neither. I don't drink. There you go. There you go. Number five. What is the most memorable Christmas gift you received growing up? Where the Christmas season are getting there? What What was it for you growing up? Growing up, um, jeez, maybe the first Nintendo. I'm gonna say. Ooh, nice. The uh, the eight bit. Oh man, that's fantastic. We were just playing uh, Super Mario World on the Super and the NES recently. That's fun. Um, six. What is your bucket list country or city? Oh, Israel. Mm, beautiful. Number seven. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ooh. Uh, I've always liked flying, but no, no, I was going to say reading mine, but that's too much. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with the fly. <laughs> A flying reading minder. Got it. Um, eight. You've seen The Chosen. So the impossible oh, yeah. question, what's your favorite episode? If you go, let me pick uh, one. Uh, that's not fair. <laughs> Only one. Uh, I'm recently rewatching it, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, one, of, one of my, well, I'm going to have to say one. One of my favorite ones, and I kind of resonates with me, is mm. I think episode one of season one mm. with Mary Magdalene and just what she says. And... Uh, I don't know if you remember, it was, what was it, what was it go? I was one way and now I'm completely mm -hmm. different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. A true story, that's actually episode two. I know this pretty well. Oh, um, sorry. And, and if you're not aware, for those who are hearing this, uh, Matt Maher, Catholic artist, also has a really good song about it, uh, the in-between, the in totally recommend it. Very good. Um, number, number nine, uh, besides obviously your name and date, uh, what do you want written on your tombstone? Probably that phrase that I just told you. Mm. Yeah, that was one way. Now I'm another. Beautiful. Ten. If you have to pick one favorite saint, who would it be? Well, most likely Saint Michael, just because of relationship from this does the bond with my grandfather that I've always remember and pray with him every single night. Yeah, wonderful. And just as a reminder, saints are not dead. They are more alive than us, and they want to have a relationship with us. Why? Because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Hebrew 12.1, right? Number 11. This is a harsh one, but but it's true. Something to think of. Christian, remember your death. Uh, if you had to be martyred, how do you want to go out? Oh, God. I actually thought of this, but I, because I was actually studying the how the apostles died. Mm. <sighs> Uh, I like, I mean, I'm going to go gruesome. I want to be stoned. Stoned. <laughs> wow. I, I think that's the first we've got on this podcast. I'll take that. And then number 12, the redemption of stoning, of being stoned, shall we say, right? <laughs> number 12, why be Catholic? Why be Catholic? Um, well, that's, that's the way to 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 heaven i mean he jesus said it in different passages the only way through the father is through me mm -hmm. so that and 
oh my God, the Eucharist is something amazing that, I mean, for, I mean, I know for everybody, but every time I get to, to do it lately with my, in my new life, it, it always fills me up so great. And it's like, I know it's probably the wine burning in my throat, but it's, it feels like, again, the fire burning inside of me and I'm feeling him inside of me and just want to go out and, and keep going. I mean, those are two of the main things that, why, why be Catholic? And I mean, I don't think there's another way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only, only get to the Father except through me. All right, and he gives Thanks. us this church. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Roberto, a truly a pleasure to have you on the Redeemed Vision podcast. Uh, we will certainly be in touch um, as we move along. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Thank you. And for all of us at the at Freedom Coaching and the Redeemed Vision podcast, again, uh, please like, please share, uh, subscribe to this. If you feel it on your heart to, to donate, to support this, uh, this, uh, this mission of setting the blind free from darkness, uh, we would be most honored. Um, it is our hope and our prayer for Christmas that you come to know this newborn Christ who has the ability to change everything, where we believe that everything is redeemable and nothing is wasted. Until next time, I am your host, Steve Picorni. Blessings on you and your family this Christmas. The Redeemed Vision Podcast is an outreach of Freedom Coaching. To learn more, check out freedom-coaching.net and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Movie.